All right. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals. It's nighttime, so there will be no chickens. But a dog has just wandered in, and there's a cat lurking behind me. And probably more will come. Ernie is sleeping in the guest bed, because that's his favorite, favorite, favorite bed, apparently. Oh, yes. It's a comfy bed. It is a comfy bed. So I, I don't expect him to visit. And on that note... I will remind all of our listeners that this podcast is rated PG-13. We are going to swear. We are going to try to stay away from the explicit stuff. And by explicit, I mean uh, adult content that would get anything rating by the U.S. movie peoples of an R or worse. Hound, you don't need to climb in my lap while we're recording. She thinks she does. She was in your lap at the vet earlier. So oh, was she ever? Was yes. she ever? So anyway, um, swearing is going to happen. Please be advised that that's what's you know we're PG thirteen or try to be. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode seventy seven. This is the last episode for twenty eighteen. Yes, a year that has already lasted approximately twelve thousand years. Oh, I know, right. And I'm surprised it's December already, or the end of December. But it's still been 12,000 years. It, it has. And now that the, the bigger holiday and we're approaching New Year's, there's going to be a lot of talk coming up about planning your year and your year in review and making resolutions and setting yourself up for a winning year. And frankly, I think a lot of that's bullshit. I think a lot of it is uh, uh, sets unrealistic pressure on people to do sort of performative organization right performative goal setting but there's always like the bit where there's always this big rush right around new year's to buy exercise equipment oh yes and the best time to buy exercise equipment is about march when it all shows up on craigslist <laughs> and the same could be said for what you're going to see in a lot of the like the the card stores and in the targets and in the the department stores and anywhere it's all about the planners now everybody's pushing a new planner a new calendar because it is the first of the year and it is time to get yourself back organized and i hate that because that's setting everybody up for for failure because no one expects at this in this day and age no one expects for you to start january 1 with this brand new thing and to have it last past march yeah really what i like to do and what i've seen advised by some other people is to take january much more of a reflect on the prior year and start looking at what you want to do in the upcoming year not a big hard here's a deadline to start and you have to be ready and out the gate because as anyone who's watched like marathon runners knows if you start with that big sprint and you don't you know you haven't worked up towards it or you haven't you know you think you can maintain this this fast upright amazing pace right out the gate without any training without any warm-up without any thought to it you're gonna fall down after the first uh mile or so uh seems likely yeah what i was so what i recommend and what was recommended to me and i forget where it was on a blog post years ago is to take the first month and and do some evaluation you know, figure out where you are, figure out what you want to do, and start to build around that instead of just this blind, I am starting the new year, I will start the whole thing. And be aware that if you are dissatisfied with yourself, there is no organizational system on Earth that will make you a different human being. So, uh, it's, oh, yeah. uh, and, and this isn't like my attempt to crush you in, you know, your quest for self-improvement. <coughs> it's just like... Uh, 
if you fail, if an organizational system fails you, and it is failing you, you are not failing it. Right. Just be clear. You, yeah. you have not failed the the system. The system doesn't care. It's a bunch of paper and rubber bands. It has no feelings. It's some pen marks. It, it is non-sentient. It doesn't care. You cannot disappoint it. Yes. It can fail to work for you. It can disappoint you. Mm-hmm. And that that's fine. Just don't, you know. And I think that's something that we've we've talked about a lot, and uh, and we've talked about over the past year with different guests is what has worked for them and what hasn't. And I think it's important to notice that nobody gives the same answer, right? Nobody gives the same answer. When when I have an interview, I have an interview uh, later this episode with. Sebastian Marshall, the founder of ultraworking.com, mm-hmm. his is completely different from anything anyone else we've talked to. Yeah. Right? And that's what works for him, and that's something we discuss about that. But there's there's going to be this enormous pressure. There's going to you're going to see, man, we were walking through Target the other day and Ursula almost had to physically restrain me from going down the new planner aisle. And, and we were on a kind of tight deadline or else I'd uh, I'd have you know, let him go, but... Yeah, and the truth is that pretty much all of them are going to be the standard monthly, weekly kind of planner thing, or the monthly, weekly, daily kind of planner thing. You know, day timers in fancy covers. Yeah. And some, you know, if you go online, you're going to find the ones with specific systems, and I say, you know, look at them with a critical eye. You know, there's... uh, We've talked about the Perfect Notebook, which we had on here. We've talked about several other systems this past year, bullet journaling, uh, standard to-do list. Find the thing that works for you. And don't be afraid to make, as many people have, have made on the show that we've talked to on the show, make your own Franken planner, make your own Franken system. My system is a Franken system. Mine is basically Wonderlist. Yes. See? With and various... You know, and and that's the thing. Different little things. It's awesome. Yep. So I want to. Somebody had brought to my attention, and I already knew about it. Um, the new Evo organizers, planners. They're Evo. Evo. They like are now Evo Psychology. Um, ProjectEvo.org. They're finally reaching uh, mass production. I had backed them on a Kickstarter, and so their little corner is: you take a personality evaluation to determine which of four personality types you are. And then they have a planner that's sort of tailored towards that personality type or that that thinking style. And when you look at them, the thing that changes between the different planners is really the page layouts. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's the same basic stuff. But in a lot of ways, what they're trying to do is they're trying to at least align things, even though it's the same thing on all the pages, as it were. They're trying to align it or organize it in a way that will make more sense to you. So I took my test when I supported the Kickstarter months and months and months ago. I am. I would just like to say I am sure they're lovely, marvelous people. Oh, yeah. And the intense, raging skepticism pouring out of right? every pore of my being is uh, is not directed at them. I'm sure they're lovely human beings. It's just I've taken too many Cosmo tests and met too many people <laughs> who treat that damn uh, – what's the one test that people treat like astrology for – uh, business types. The the one that the introvert, extrovert. Uh, I can't remember. Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a lot of ways, this is it's it's asking similar questions, but its four categories are alchemist, oracle, architect, and explorer. Okay. Guess which one I didn't come up. 
Alchemist. Alchemist. Because, you know, that's the name name of the podcast, the name I've used online for years. I'm like, yes, I can finally know I'm an oracle, apparently. Well, you, you are dispensing mm-hmm. wisdom from <laughs> on pod. Yeah. But they, they talk about what the different types are, uh, both on their website and in the individual planners. They also give in the individual planners kind of tips for working with other types. So if you're an oracle, how you relate to alchemists versus explorers kind of things. And you can get them in PDF, so you don't have to spend a whole lot of money. I have the the uh, fancy, fancy box and book that you know, came as part of Kickstarter. And I'm actually really impressed with the book, at least. It's well-constructed. It's got a great feel that... Check that out. The cover is great. The I'm just noticing <laughs> that it has copper-edged pages. I know, yeah. And it's so shiny. It's I, They have really gone out of their way to make a quality planner. It's glittery. It is. It's it is very striking. It's got a nice the the cloth cover is a different color. You know the color that matches the type. Um, so my oracle one is blue. Although I guess blue is green on the inside. I don't know. So maybe you can get your own color. I forget. And they've got a QR code you can snap with your phone to get the companion app to help you with it. But it breaks it down into you know here are, sit down and you know think about your your goals for each month the usual right here's plan out your individual weeks and then they have like daily trackers so you've got your to-dos for the week opposite a review of the week and uh at least in this one it's focusing on health and vitality love and relationships cash flow fun and enjoyment and meaning and contribution the minute i have to track my fun and enjoyment and think about my fun and enjoyment goals i cease to like fun retreats over the horizon screaming it, well and and maybe if you find yourself needing to track your fun and enjoyment goal that's uh, that's you know that's uh, maybe something you need to work on i tend to look at fun and enjoyment as a little more free form so there's that um and then they have daily pages so standard monthly then then the weekly and then the daily pages they talk about uh you talk about what i'm grateful for uh what i'm i'll find time to focus by doing something the most important task of the day in any notes followed by you know basically the the to-do list and how much time you want to spend on those things followed by your you know little personal flow score they've got a whole bunch of instructions on that overall if this system works for you, I think it's going to be fantastic. I love the construction of the book mm-hmm. itself. Um, a lot of times you get these, and it's just your standard hardbound planner, planner pages. This is actually a really quality book build, as it were. And then one thing they included in a little gift for you uh, that they include with each one are basically cards that are replica- replicas of the daily page. So that even if you don't have it with you or you want to sit down and and noodle on it without having to worry about, you know, oh, look, I've got three weeks of stuff and what's coming up later this month, you can kind of do a take it with you or use that as a different exercise. I think it's kind of cool. Again, your mileage may vary. As with everything. So my my thing on the, the Project Evo is there is some gimmicky stuff when it comes to figuring out the brain type and the working. In terms of the actual books themselves... I'm actually really pleased with them. High with quality. Them, with them phys- physically. Very high quality. Good paper. The, the whole kit. And that's something you want to look at. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Coming in to this year and looking at a new planner or a new calendar. I already have my 2019 um, Extraordinary Chickens calendar <laughs> on the wall ready to go next week. And, you know, as, you, as you're trying to figure all that stuff out, how you're going to flow, and then start thinking about goals around the end of January is what I usually do. When I talk about goals, I, I start to think about them really in mid-January and build up towards them. Like, we have some some... I guess, uh, fitness goals <laughs> we have oh, to work towards. Yes. Since one of our planned trips this year will be in a very high altitude. Yes. So we need to start actually working on some of our muscle groupings and lung capacity. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the treadmill the tre is still there. We will, we will set it for yep. an angle and we're going to try to do like 20 minutes a day. And mm -hmm. As, as we get ready. And then after the trip, maybe it'll be a habit. Uh, or maybe we'll just be like, ah, thank God that's over. We'll yeah. find out. We'll find out. I've been reading a book. Oh, yes. It is called uh, Women with Attention Deficit Disorder by Sari, Sari Solden. Okay. And uh, S-A-R-I-S-O-L-D-E-N. And okay. this was recommended in a thread by uh, Captain Awkward. Mm. Who, uh, mm -hmm. And I, you guys know that... I am, let's say, not in denial, but uh, have <laughs> been very... Re I, I am reluctant to claim the mantle of being ADD because yes. despite, you know, everyone in my family having it and all of my friends and loved ones going, oh my god, you have it so bad, uh, I it feels like uh, I, I have not earned it, I am totally functional, Ergo, I am. If I claim that, I must just be trying to get attention or an excuse or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, she was talking in a Twitter thread, and one thing she said was, you know, I'm tweeting this for all of the kids whose desks were so messy they were pulled out and used as an example to the other kids. And I went, <laughs> uh oh, that was first grade, second, second grade, grade, yeah. Fourth grade, mm -hmm. fifth grade, mm -hmm. uh, yes, and uh, yeah, I. Whoo, and she was like, and all of the kids who never once remembered to get a permission slip signed, and then would lose the slip, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, hmm, mm. ah, hmm, mm. yes, uh, well, maybe I'll just look into this book a little. And it's it's discussing how in women it manifests much differently, and what we consider sort of uh, everyone's sort of classic vision of a kid with ADHD is a super hyper little boy running around right. who can't you know uncontrolled. Well, in a lot of girls, it manifests the the H is not so much hyperactive as hypoactive as they are quiet in the back of the class staring out the window and. Oh, Everyone yeah. thinks, you know, they're very nice and they're very sweet and they're never any trouble and they are completely unable to focus. And if they're very smart, they can frequently get by for a long time because their grades are not having any problem because right. they're they're basically making up for the fact they can't concentrate on shit with just raw intelligence and being good at standardized tests. And I'm like, oh, Ooh, <laughs> eh, hmm, perhaps yeah. I will be in the corner over here muttering to myself. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, the, and I, I am trying not to fall into the trap of 
anytime you read a book about any disorder, disease, malady, anything, you immediately diagnose yourself. They, they, the sickest people in the world are first-year medical students. They have everything <laughs> in the book. As soon as they see it, they're like, oh my god, I'm itching uncontrollably. I have the leprosy and also porphyria and also leukemia and also um, a wandering bladder. You know, it's it's... Yeah. So I'm trying not to self-diagnose here, but there's a couple of things I'm like, oh, hmm, yeah, maybe. A couple, uh, couple red flags maybe to look into. And the thing is that, like many people, I am I am extremely high-functioning in terms, uh, in, in societal terms. I get everything done. I am in a sort of rarefied career point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a good writer. I can support myself writing. It's... So obviously I have systems in place that are doing the job, which is one of the reasons that I'm, you know, frequently not looking to, uh, to not, you know, super eager to go pathologize my systems. But, uh, I've had a couple people also in the industry say, you know, uh, it can be really helpful to get the meds for it. And there's also a lot of, you know, uh, like she's just talking about how a vast number of women with ADHD have, you know, hit a point where they're, they constantly feel that they are lazy and underperforming because why aren't they getting stuff done? And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. interesting. So well, anyway, uh, yes. So I have read about, uh, uh, I've read that about 20 minutes worth, and uh, I think I'm going to spend the rest of the evening laying in bed playing Hearthlands. That sounds good. <laughs> yes. You know, and we can look maybe after everything that's going on in January uh, at finding maybe an official diagnosis, if so warranted. It's such a pain in the ass, particularly granted we're dealing mm-hmm. with new insurance. Because oh, yeah. I'm going to have to get a referral to, like, a psychologist. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So it, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And it may just be enough to have the diagnosis to know, okay, this is what's going on, and that'll help you build the structures. If you I want. think my big fear is uh, I am I am actually afraid that I will do all of that and will come back that I don't have it, uh-huh. and then I have no excuse. For my problems that I'm just, you know, trying to pathologize the fact that I'm a lazy slacker. Fear is one of your big motivators. Constantly. Constantly. I will die in a ditch next to Walmart, you know, with my lack of official diagnosis. All right, then. Thinking of someone who is not apparently going to die in a ditch next to Walmart. I don't know. Life comes to us all. I'm not saying you're going to, dude who's about to be interviewed. (laughs) I'm sure you're, you're great. Yeah. So I, I got... Uh, You'll have the swankiest ditch next to Walmart. Yeah, Sebastian reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said, you know, he was he had listened to some episodes, he was really excited about it, and we had a chance to sit down and talk just last week, and I we had a great conversation. We had a, a, a lot of fun talking to each other, and I actually owe him an, an, a fresh email right now. So I'm going to do that after we're done with the show, but... Right now, we're going to go over, we're going to talk to Sebastian Marshall, one of the co-founders of UltraWorking.com, and we're going to find out how he stays productive right after this.
Hi, folks. I am here with Sebastian Marshall from Ultra Working. I'm really excited to be talking to Sebastian because there's some really cool stuff they're doing over there. And I really want to find out how Sebastian himself keeps himself productive. So, Sebastian, can you introduce yourself a little bit better than I just did and tell us about what you do? Yeah, Kevin, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. I think we're going to have a great dialogue. You know, the um, your show's very, like very real so I'm, I'm excited for this we try and, yeah oh yeah and succeed i would say uh so so I'm, I'm pretty hyped to be here i run a company called ultra working and we make pretty advanced productivity things and uh you know a lot of productivity stuff's pretty basic ours is for people that are top performers we have people at nasa and google and attorneys that bill a thousand dollars an hour and lots of people in software and computer science and people working on their phds using it. Just things like how do you get in a flow state for longer and concentrate? How do you kind of establish um, kind of rigorous routines? How do you get your everything from fitness to planning to getting volumes of most important work higher? So we do things like that. It started as a side project in the end of 2015 with my best friend, Kai Zhao. He and I had done projects for about 10 years together, just here and there. Before this, I was in the nonprofit and education world for about five years. Before that, I was in consulting, which was obviously well paid and, and well compensated and great, but it was like, eh, it's kind of tightened the screws on stuff that already exists. So, you know, I want to do things that were kind of really meaningful and might make a difference. So, so I spent some time in the nonprofit world. Uh, very cool, very satisfying, very difficult. A lot of love and credit out to everybody that are trying to make some good things happen in the world. And these days I'm running a tech company. We're growing really fast and it's really good. I also, in a past life, used to be an author. I wrote six or seven books. I used to write 6,000 words a week. Being a tech CEO is kind of a busy job. I wish somebody had told me. I guess they could have if I'd been listening. Uh, <laughs> right. So less time for writing than I used to have. Uh, but that's the gist of it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, nonprofit sector. I'm currently on the board of uh, a nonprofit. I've been on the board of at least two prior. I understand completely. Uh, those were all volunteer nonprofits, not professional mm -hmm. nonprofits. But it's still mm -hmm. a lot of work. Um, yeah, we were 100% volunteer and um, it's it's great. It's very satisfying because it's like people are there because they want to be there. So that's very, very satisfying. On the other hand, if somebody's having a bad week, it's like they're there because they want to be there. So you have to you know be able to navigate that and really uh, create a wonderful environment. And ironically, though, I think a lot of people in the nonprofit world or that aspire to be in the nonprofit world don't think this way. It should be much tighter on operations if you want to succeed Oh yeah, um, in a full volunteer setup. Your ops got to be really, really tight. You can paper over messy, unpleasant chaotic work in the in the corporate world with with salaries right People right are like, yeah i have to do this but i'm being paid right so there's that and the nonprofit world a little bit harder um but yeah that was very satisfying mm -hmm. to that for about five years i'm in tech now yeah no I've, I've been in tech in my professional life now for 20 some years so uh i've i kind of have perspective on both of them from a long term much longer term um so through all of that how do you keep yourself organized yeah, so I, I'm, I'll start off by saying I'm naturally not a very organized person. My brain goes in all kinds of different directions. And um, I guess when I was younger, I don't think of myself this way anymore. But when I was younger, I kind of prided myself on being very creative and very original. And I think a lot of people that consider themselves very creative and very original, did for whatever reason, are not organized. I don't know. It's just a correlation that I see out in the world. So it that seems was to come up a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the, the ironic thing is there, right, is that Sometimes the people that are naturally very organized don't have to study the first principles, don't have to really think of like, okay, what would I do to like 
make sure this happens. Like, you know, like things just kind of happen, right? Right. So I had to build out some, some kind of personal systems for myself. I'd experiment a lot with what works. Um, and I've got a few things that I do. The first one that I do that I've been doing for, I can give you an exact number on this. <laughs> I have been for 242 weeks and a few days uh, <laughs> running on something called a lights spreadsheet. So that's the first thing that I do is a light spreadsheet just has a list of everything that I want to uh, achieve okay. on there. And I mark it green when I do it and I mark it red when I don't do it. And there's like a yellow, which is like a half that I count it as no at the end of the week, but it lets me see if it's like really bad or just a little bit bad. Right. 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 And uh, this can be anything from like, uh, you know, a chore or an activity that you want to do once a day. So if you want to meditate, you can put meditate on there and mm-hmm. column A. And you just mark it green in the days you meditate and red in the days you don't. And uh, But there's also things like, you know, uh, weekly review is current, projects are current, all team is aligned. Um, you can, at the end of the day, review and uh, put things on there like no miscellaneous internet today. Right. Um, I also have sleep well as the very last item on there that I mark the next morning, uh, which is very useful for correlating as well for like, mm-hmm. okay, if I'm like sleeping poorly, then repeatedly, then things start getting worse. This is very, you know, repeated thing. So that's kind of the main thing. I call that a keystone. And I think everybody that's uh, effective and has a complicated life probably needs something like that. One thing they can look at that points at everything else mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff, but lights are, is my go-to. Right. So if I want to be in the gym, I can put gym on lights. If I want to meditate, I can put meditate on lights. If I want to be writing, I can have wrote X words today or wrote for X hours or you know, I have a backlog of X weeks of writing already done. I can put all that on there. And if mm-hmm. everything's green, then I'm doing everything I want to be doing with my life. Right. Okay. So, so you, you keep really tight track of it uh, as to what you do on a day-to-day. Yeah. And I mean, you say tight track, and I, I suppose that's true. But I mean, we're talking, I don't know, 30 seconds to two minutes in the morning max. And yeah, yeah. You know, at some point in the day, it's another 30 se- I mean, we're under 10 minutes, well under 10 minutes a day. I mean, maybe under four minutes a day to keep the whole thing updated. And then just like whenever life is off track, I just look at that and I go, oh, okay, what's wrong here? And I just look at that and I go, okay, let's mm-hmm. see. Uh, I didn't sleep well last two nights. I should focus on sleeping well. Okay. A weekly review of projects, not current. Let me just get those current and update those. Yep. Okay. I didn't do a team overview, whatever on the team is doing yesterday. Let me do that today to make sure that goes green again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I missed my morning routine a couple days ago. Did it yesterday. Let me do it again. You know, so uh, very, very easy to just refer to very quickly and mm-hmm. uh, ensure everything's on track. So, so a lot like um, it, in in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Seinfeld's uh, "Don't Break the Chain." Yes, though I'm very willing to have the chain get broken. Um, so, you know, I know you've mentioned this on the the, the show at least once, and, and maybe a couple of times. Uh, I know you've covered "Don't Break the Chain," mm-hmm. and on the off chance people didn't hear that episode, that's Seinfeld writes, I believe, a joke every single day. Yep. And he just ensures that he writes one joke and just doesn't break the chain. You can do that with a physical paper calendar and you put a check mark on it when you do it. You do it digitally, you can do it with whatever you like. But there's actually a really good website for it that I know a lot of authors use to say, did I get writing done today? And that's, that's kind of their internal motivator is they don't want to break the chain. Yeah. And it's, it's marvelous. And Mm -hmm. I've done uh, things like that where I try to keep streaks going, but you know, uh, I believe a little bit later we'll talk about what to do with failure or missing a goal. I actually yeah. don't want to be perfect on my lights. I aim for about a 70% success rate. And okay. if I'm hitting 100% on everything, I make things harder or I add more. And if I'm well under 70, if I'm like sub 50, mm-hmm. I make things easier. So okay. I like to stay around 70%. So I like to have a little more than 
two successes for every failure. And, you know, cause there's, you could kind of fall off the, the be productive and effective thing on, on either side. Mm-hmm. If your things are too difficult, right. You start just missing targets and you start getting kind of overwhelmed. You fall off on one side. That's no good. But the other side is, um, you know, a lot of times if people are aiming for hundred percent, they make things too easy for themselves. Right. And so they don't, so, so they're not actually challenging themselves at any, any point because it's just, it's easy to attain those goals. So, Hey, I can feel good about attaining the goals, but I'm not really growing. Exactly. Yeah. Quite right. And furthermore, you know, if somebody's aiming for a hundred percent and then they miss a day, mm-hmm. sometimes like a train wreck, that's the person oh, yeah. that, you know, on a good diet, have one bag of potato chips, then three days later, they, they hit the whole buffet repeatedly. And <laughs> it's not the first bag of potato chips that gets you. It's the, Oh no, I lost my thing. Let me just go out of control now. Well, well, as long as I've already messed up, that's, yes. that's, that's always the, the, the one. Well, since I'm already off the diet, maybe, maybe I can just take an extra cheat day or something like that. Yeah. Not smart. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you've got your light spreadsheet. Um, anything else you use to keep yourself organized on the day to day? Yeah. So the, the first thing I do at the start of every day, and I've been doing this for quite a while, though I can't give you an exact number of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lights are the one thing I track at the end of the weeks is I have a little thing that I fill out at the start of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, in Evernote, where I just copy paste at the start of it. And I wrote down what time uh, I woke up and the total sleep. And then I write down all the appointments I have that day. It's already on the calendar, but I find the act of typing out, okay, I'm going to be on productivity alchemy with Kevin. And I put that down and then, okay, <laughs> then I'm talking to Stepan and then it's actually today, right? right. So I go through that. Um, and then I'll always have uh, a couple of just whatever I'm working on and paying attention to right now. I'll jot down some notes about for records. So right now I have email at the start of the day in all inboxes, I, I type it out. Mm-hmm. And then I type out what's my target email at the end of the day, right? Because I, I got really bad about email for a while. About a week ago, a little more than a week ago, I had like 700 unanswered emails because we're, we're growing pretty fast and email volume went up and I didn't really have a way to deal with that. Gotcha. So I just yeah. put that on there for like a month, right? So I write my email at the start mm-hmm. and then my target. And then at the very end of the day, I'll write down what I actually wound up with. And so I have some stuff like that on there. And I also check off as I do them block the internet. I usually start the day by blocking the internet, schedule fitness. So I look at the calendar. I put one on my fitness next on the calendar, set up cycles. I do work cycles as a, as a okay. thing. We can talk about it. Yep. I'm going to make my bed, take vitamins, water and stuff. And I write yes next to all of these. So it's a little thing that I fill out. I also track my time pretty, pretty rigorously. It's not mm-hmm. something I recommend for everybody, but I do it. I like to do it. I get, get a kick out of it and geek out on it. So that's <laughs> kind of the second thing I go to. First thing is lights. Second thing is I've got this copy paste of this template that I put in Evernote at the start of every day. And I start filling it out. Again, it takes a couple minutes, keeps me on track with everything. Gotcha. And then you can actually get to, then you just work your way down the list, I guess. Pretty much. Yeah. Until the interruptions happen, and then you adapt, because uh, uh, that is it's something, at least in, in the, on the IT side of things, where I'm running servers that, you know, I could have a perfectly perfect day planned out or be working towards those goals and you know, something goes wrong and suddenly my entire day is chaos because I just spent three hours dealing with a site outage. Yeah. It's like, what what am I at these days? I'd say slightly more than half my days run the way that I plan them to. Okay. That's actually not bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I can, I can live with it. I think really trying to cluster appointments and calls and like having a heavy calls or meetings day on a couple of days and then having a very light or none yeah, calls or meetings day on one day. I feel like that's better than being scattered on them because then when things go wrong, um, if and when they go wrong, having a large block of like, all right, I got just ten hours in a row free tomorrow. I'm gonna be able to get get things back together. I feel like that makes a big difference. So I, I fight pretty hard to have like two days heavily calendared and meeting a week, mm-hmm. and then the other five 
as open as possible. And sometimes it's three or four days on calls and meetings, but you know, sometimes it's like that, but as much as possible, having those undiscreet days of like, okay, I'm going to be on the phone like 10 hours today. Fine. But other days totally open. Yeah. At one of my prior jobs, we tried very hard to have no meeting Fridays so that there were absolutely no meetings on Fridays that we could get through, try to get through everything we wanted to get done for the week. Uh, before going away for the weekend. That was also a place where we had a no production changes on Friday rule, which, <laughs> nice. you know, which wasn't always possible. So, you know, whoever was on call the weekend might have things that were unexpected, but the idea was to make sure that, you know, that change in configuration management didn't cause the poor person on call for the weekend to be constantly bothered because something went to production that was broken. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Smart. It, uh, yeah, it seemed to work out pretty well. So, uh, and thinking of things like that, that that's actually more of a habit is to trying to get into the habit of no meetings on Fridays and no, no big production changes on Fridays, uh, for us. What, what systems and habits, on top of, I guess, the ones we've already discussed are, are valuable to you because we've sort of talked about the systems and some of the habits you're building, right? Indeed, yeah. You know, I think I think one that's very valuable on a team level that mm-hmm. I think people should look into is there's a lot of activities that people tend to think are private activities around like planning or first mm-hmm. drafts or rough drafts. And I, I think if you could do those open book among a whole team and think about it, it's scary for people to, to think about doing it. But if you can make it kind of open book and frictionless for other people to just check out and click around in, that right. can that can really increase cooperation and transparency and some of those buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a pretty good app called NoteJoy. And it's not perfect. It's a little rough in a couple of areas. Their offline mode in particular is not very good. But think about kind of the Evernote basic user face. It's yeah, yeah. a lot like that. But the default is that every folder created within an organization is automatically shared with everybody. Anybody can go click in there, right? Okay. So... Plenty of people have a, a, a Google Google Drive yep. set up in such a way that anybody can go click on it. But Google Drive is very high friction. You'd have to like go into the Google Drive area that something's in, and you'd have to load the doc or the spreadsheet. And like mm, people aren't going to do that unless they're pointed towards something, right? Right. But we do open book project planning in no joy. So like, okay, if there's some sensitive customer information or something, we won't put it in there, right? Mm-hmm. But like when we're specking out a project early. Uh, we'll just do that in there. And then anybody on the team can go click in there and see what it looks like. And I, that's actually been great. And it sounds quite small, but I've actually found this is really, really good for people knowing what other people are working on, be able to click around. Um, you know, if somebody's just like, hey, let me jump in and help a little bit of something that's on my skill set, then they can just kind of like take a look at what everything looks like and all the things. You don't have to go in and like share everything. And it kind of, you know, it just kind of gets you to think about everything a little bit. And, you know, kind of doing that out in, not in public, but out shared within the team, that, that's been pretty good for us. So I think that's something that people ought to consider. Yeah. And one of the things, I guess, does it allow for, for two people to like edit a document or something at the same time in that collaborative, almost like pair programming, except pair editing? Because one of the big, I guess, drawbacks I've had with some of the systems like that is that if I'm working on something and someone else wants to contribute, then we can hit collisions. Right. Uh, whereas with Google Docs, I know what part you're writing on and, and what you're writing because I can actually watch you type. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite similar to Google Docs. The, okay. um, the user interface is, I don't know, 5% <laughs> less polished. It's, it's, it's okay. It's yeah. fine. There's a little bit of, it's not as, as pretty and slick. They're relatively new. Mm-hmm. But the general concept, and I'm sure there's a million apps that will, will duplicate that, the general concept of like 
everything in here shared across the whole team. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, whatever folder we want and kind of keep your folders organized ideally, right? So they're, yeah. you know, there's different ways to organize folders. And then, yeah, you can see other people editing. You can have all that information in there. So it works pretty well. Cool. Uh, what's next on the uh, systems and or habits that are valuable to you? Like, I, I'm on MRA, by the way, writing down note joy and circling it three times on my notes here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a million of them. We could kind of take it in, in whatever direction that you think would be interesting. You want to talk more on the team side or on the personal side of things, you think? Uh, the personal side. Uh, I mean, the team dynamics are a whole different thing. And so mm. uh, I really want the listener, maybe the listeners to be able to get a feel for both, right? So what do you do personally? And then how does that interface with what's done for the team? I mean, if you're using two different apps for the same function between the two, then yeah. But if, if it's, if it's something where your personal system is, is interfacing, like meshing really well with the team, then, you know, certainly want to know about that. Sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll mention a a small thing, um, which is, I actually overview and type out, and we're we're still a relatively small team. We are a small team, yeah. So it's it's very possible um, in Evernote there, and I have this corresponding to lights. I mark down the status of every single person in the team, so I just use their initials, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I'll put down okay, XD Xavier Donikowski. I'll put down XD, okay, working on XYZ project. Then we got to communicate him doing this and that, and then I'll like Slack Xavier, like hey, whatever. So uh, you know. Every single day, I think about every single one of the members on the team just for like mm-hmm. five seconds. And if it's like, okay, project's underway, it's good. That's fine. But mm-hmm. that way, I don't wind up missing anything. I mean, one of the things when you start to, to manage and, and work with people, you start to realize is, um, I remember the first time that I had a day where I was like extremely productive on like a Thursday and a Friday. Right. Right. And I was like, I did a lot of stuff. That was great. And then I realized that one of the members on the team was like waiting on something for me since Wednesday and like didn't get a lot done on Thursday and Friday. And I'm like, okay, like that's not fatal that that just happened. But if this continues as a trend, we're in, we're in trouble. We got problems. Right. Yeah. So I look at everybody um, every single morning. Um, I find the three things, you know, mm-hmm. on the, on the company level that makes sense to look at our yeah. growth product and team mm-hmm. every single day. Um, so I look at like, okay, what are our next campaigns coming up for growth? Um, are, are we improving on a product level and the team and, I really find that in terms of high level impact areas in business, I really don't think you can look at more than three a day and like one might be ideal if you can get down to a single metric. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something something I see that people struggle with a lot is that they, they don't ask themselves like, what's my measure of success? Like what, what, like what am I having a good week or a good day? If happens, they don't know. So they just like, they do stuff, they do a lot of stuff, but they don't know like, what should I judge the criteria of success by? And I was just wrestling with this because I just spent um, about four days, I spent about 50 hours over four days. That was mm, the vast majority of it was on getting some of this email answered because right. these weren't just like 700 emails, like whatever, 500 of them you could just archive. These were like the 700 hardest emails out of the last <laughs> X thousand that I had just like put off for two months because like things were busy, right? Right, right. So I was like answering these emails and I actually, this was, this was kind of very insightful. So if anybody's in a bit of a email purgatory, this might be useful. So the first thing I did was I just like got out a piece of paper. I use paper a lot, by the way, to study systems and to try to improve them. So this might yeah, be yeah. interesting. So I, I got out a piece of paper and I wrote down, okay, uh, I'm going to put tally mark next to whether I uh, archive an email instantly, whether I do a short reply, mm-hmm. a long reply, or whether I skip it because it's complex. So that was the first pass that I did and I did tally marks. And then right. I kind of 
get a sense of how long each things take. I didn't write down the minutes pretty much. First I started to do that, but it was cumbersome. So yeah, I just yeah. did tally marks and I looked at the ratios between them. Like, okay, the long replies take longer than everything else combined. Not surprising, but fine. Then I got another sheet of paper out and then only with the complex emails, I made like a little uh, kind of a, what, what do you call it? Like a rose and a grid thing that I put mm-hmm. check marks in, right? Yeah. And, and I said, okay, why am I not replying to this email right away? Is it because there's ops required? Is it like somebody's making a request that like we should have a standard way of doing it that we don't? So it's like it's going to take me 40 minutes, but it would be like five minutes if we had that set up correctly, right? Is it something that's coordinations required? I got to talk with somebody to make this decision. Is it something that's tedious that I just like, oh, I just want to do this, right? You know, is it something that it's unclear what the value is? So I built out all these lists and I was checking them off and I learned a few things there. Um, like a couple things where I didn't have certain places to put certain things. People sent me a lot of research papers because I read a lot of research papers and yeah. they know I'm into them. So, you know, but I'm like, I don't have a way to, I don't have anywhere to put research papers that I'll actually read them. I can put them in a black hole and like never read them. Right. So I just leave them in the inbox if they're interesting. So I'm like, okay, I need a place to like put research papers and then pull them out. Like, I'm like, There's research paper. Mm-hmm. So I was like kind of going through all of that. But the biggest thing that I realized was I didn't have a standard for, you know, someone's like, Hey, do you want to speak at a conference in Glasgow next year? It's like, huh? Do I? I don't know. Seems interesting. Right. You know, so it's like I didn't have any standard to make that decision off of. So I'm not I haven't run this full way out as a as a recording time because this is relatively new. Pardon me. Yeah. Pardon me there. We got a a nice recording setup over here as long as it's not knocked over. Yeah, no, that's uh, as as you've heard on, on prior shows, occasionally we'll be recording and the cat comes in and just headbutts the microphone and like, yeah, okay, there goes all the setup time we did. Well, I, I wish I had a cat so I could blame the cat. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's, that's 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 my cat, Mister Fluffy. Uh, <laughs> hey, kitty, get out of here. Um, where were we? Yeah, so I mean, the basic thing was I, I didn't have a standard as a recording time, mm-hmm. um, a standard for making decisions on what's important or not on a variety of kind of cool things, fun things, opportunities. Like I didn't have a standard for that, and probably by the time this show goes live, I probably will. But I'm going to be able to sit down and think and say, okay. If any of these five things are true, I'm going to deal with this. And if it's not, I'm going to say no thanks. I'm going to default to no thanks. And that's going to be hard because oh, like, yeah, I like yeah. people and I like to accommodate people. I like to do cool things. It's all, it's all cool. It's like, hey, do you want to do this thing that totally like is lame and sucks? It's like, well, no. Okay, that's easy to, that's easy to navigate. But it's the cool ones that are hard to say no to. So um, really just thinking through what are your standards that you measure things against and mm-hmm. like what success look like? And, like what would a good day be? And like what would a good week be in terms of results? That's... That's something that I've done a fair amount of and apparently need to do more of because it's taking me a long time to process emails and make decisions on them. Yeah. So one of the one of the things I'm I'm noticing is as we keep talking is one of the habits that is really important to you is measuring everything. Yeah, I like measurement a lot. Yeah. I, I, I get a kick out of it. I, I find mm-hmm. it very valuable and I think people should consider doing a little bit of it anyways, but I also get a kick out of it over <laughs> and above. I actually believe it or not, I actually track my time down to the five minute block so I can tell you what I was doing at 235 seven months ago today right or whatever um i don't recommend this to people this is this is uh excessively hardcore it's also really slow when you get started on it once it becomes habitual it's actually doesn't take very long at all but uh but yeah it's kind of neat to look at the ratios and the equations uh between time and to try to spend it better so you know i make a division in leisure between whether i actually enjoyed it or not so if I was doing leisure, I have like leisure that I enjoyed and like leisure that was like, okay, that wasn't yeah. great. Right. And like, okay, obviously you want to get the like leisure that 
is not great category in a leisure that's great. So you kind of like, you ask yourself at the end of something like, Hey, did I enjoy that? Right. And if you did, then great, you could do more of it. Right. But if not, then it's like, okay, let me like, right. Cause like, I don't know if I'm sure this is a common experience where like you agree to go do something that like kind of sounds fun. Then you go and you're like, I didn't like that at all. That wasn't very good. Yeah. This right? sucks. Why am I here? Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I actually make a record on that. And then I just try to have that neutral leisure category be as low as possible because mm-hmm. you know, having leisure I enjoy that's fun or at least good. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, I'm reminded of the Etsy philosophy of measure everything when it comes to to uh, systems. That's one of the big things that that has come out of Etsy in the in the you know DevOps world is that if there is a metric that can be measured, Etsy measures it and can surface it and report on it and use it for forensics or planning or whatever. They're they're huge on if it can be monitored, if they can track it somehow, they will. Right. Well, yeah, I think that's that's pretty interesting. What's your what's your personal take on that? Because obviously, if it's a large organization, that's that's just doable. And if you actually put that data and measurement um, into action, that's fine. And you know, you've certainly got a background in a, a lot of things that are the measurements almost required. But how about in your personal systems? Are you are you big? Where, where's your drawing the line on measurement? So I, I haven't I, I haven't really put that into play outside of, you know, like actual hardware statistics or software metrics or things like that when I'm, when I'm working. Cause a lot of times the, the other things I'm doing are much softer and don't always lend themselves well to it. Like, uh, and it's something I might have to actually start trying. Like, okay, I, we have a weekly D and D game. It's, it's, until we're on break until after the new year, because holidays, right. Happen to be happening on the actual days we normally play, but how much time do I spend prepping for it? How long, you know, uh, what is, what is a good day at work versus a bad day at work do for, not that I have work right now, but you you get the idea, um, Mm. do towards, um, the experience, both for myself as the, the game master and for them, for the players. Right. Um, and and so you know if I, I I think by measuring more I could probably start answering those those questions a little better it's it's something that's come up with an organization I'm involved in is like well we have we have some things that maybe we should be measuring so we can tell if we're getting better or if we're not doing our jobs effectively right and so this yeah. listening to you talk about it makes me want to start doing it more and trying to figure out how we can measure some of these points or how I can measure some of these points, because it's not necessarily about the amount of time spent on something. It's the value of the time that gets spent on something. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's both. I mean, I think the first thing is when you just get raw time numbers, I find that very interesting. So I'll just Mm -hmm. like randomly time. Okay. How long does my gym workout take when I do it this way? How long does it take to get food here or there? Right. And it's surprising, right? So the, the nice thing about that is, you know, I used to write 6,000 words a week, um, which is a lot. And that took 40 plus hours when I first started doing it by really optimizing that and kind of studying how to do that better. Mm-hmm. I was able to do writing, I think of the same quality, maybe higher in 12 to 18 hours to get a 6,000 word essay done. Yeah. So that's a game changer when something takes one third as long at the same quality level. Mm-hmm. Similar, um, you know, with prepping your D&D game, if you actually studied, okay, if you took a guess right? As to what factors. And I used to play D&D when I was a teenager. It was like yeah, a yeah. lot of fun. Man. Like if I ever have t- 
time. I'm gonna like we play board games these days because it doesn't have that overarching. You yeah, know, you yeah, yeah. If you don't have the same crew all the time, you can you can still play. It's right? it's a lot easier to drop in and out of of like a board game night versus a, a long running uh, yeah. storyline. Yeah, no, yeah, quite right. Um, but like, okay, let me let me go back to my memories of this. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of decades ago. So you know, like, what what would be a great campaign? Well, I mean, probably a really engaging storyline. Probably um, some of the exploration or combat is is kind of interesting or unique. It's not boring and fighting goblins or whatever. Yeah. And then probably player interaction amongst themselves. And then some sort of player agency where they're able to come up with some interesting, cool ways to solve problems. I don't know. You could probably make a list of six, seven, eight things like that. And then Mm -hmm. actually check out, okay, which ones am I bringing to this game? And then how much did people like it? And you could either just guess and rank it or just ask people, hey, how'd you like today? Right. 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 And, And you might find that it's like, actually, if we have player interaction, like interesting multiple ways to solve problems where it like allows creative problem solving and like a really cool, whatever villain or challenge or whatever, like those mm-hmm. are the top three. So yeah. like, actually I can prep for a game in an hour now where mm-hmm. I just got to get all three of those. How am I going to facilitate player interaction? Spend 20 minutes thinking about that. Spend 20 minutes thinking about the other thing and then prep the, the, you know, the narrative arc on it. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I, I get a huge kick out of. And it's, it doesn't take long once you get into it, mm-hmm. but learning kind of the underlying skills on how to do it and like getting into the mentality and the mindset of it. And then the like hard thinking of like, okay, how would I measure or manage or evaluate whether this was a good game? And what do, what are the components that I think go into that? Obviously coming from a DevOps background, that's probably going to train your mind to work that way. Any sort of yeah. Um, yeah. sort of programming works that way. I think a lot of people in a, that do a lot of rigorous accounting learn how to think that way. Cause it's like, okay, this cash is not cash. This is unearned service revenue, right? Like, <laughs> like, they, they think in abstractions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but it's a little bit hard to get your mind around that, but once you do, it's pretty great. And uh, the biggest thing I always tell people, or there's many things, but I, I'd say two of the biggest ones are first, if you do it, you've got to keep it so simple. You need to like not cross the paperwork threshold mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, do I have to record this data. Uh, like it's gotta be, dead simple, either automated. Um, if that makes sense, I like to do mine by hand actually, because it makes me more aware of it. But if you're doing it by hand, it's gotta be like a minute or two. It's gotta be like, ain't no yeah. thing yeah. to do. And then to interpret, you need to make it super simple. So I like to go either binary or like binary with like a half, like I like yes or no. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, like if you're tracking your game, I probably wouldn't go one to 10 to start you could later if you want a more granularity, but I'd go like, was this fantastic or not, you know, or yeah. maybe like, fantastic good bad or like mm-hmm. great good okay or some but like just like two or three tiers at most mm-hmm. right yeah yeah um two is good three is like if you really need a wasn't good or bad you throw a, like a half in there and then you just kind of look at that and then see what correlates and you know you don't need to do like rocket science to do that you're just like hey that was a great game and that was a great game what do they have in common ah yeah this and that were both true hmm. so you just pay attention to it and it kind of comes mm-hmm. through and and a lot of people, when we talk about tracking what they do, they immediately think about time tracking. And when I was a consultant many, many years ago at this point, doesn't feel like it, but uh, it was, you know, I had to track in 15-minute increments. Was I working in 15-minute increments? What was I doing? Because we have to be able to present this to the customer to say, here's what you're paying for. And in a lot of ways, that that isn't how effective or efficient were you or it was, or, and what did you get done? It's just, where did you spend your time? And in theory, that should, that is the value you're providing to the customers. You're spending time in areas and doing things that they don't have the manpower to do. 
but it doesn't necessarily build that same style of metric. Because exactly. there's, there's a big difference between this is what I did and was what I did worthwhile or quality. Yeah, it's super hard. I mean, mm-hmm. this is easier, I suppose, <laughs> in things that have objective outputs. Right. Right. So if you want to, you know, if you're promoting a, a local indie band or something and you want to know how many people came to the show, you can say, okay, what promo did we do? How many hours did it take? How many mm-hmm. people came? Okay. So every hour we spent doing it, there's how many people came. Even that takes a little bit of setup and is unintuitive to people, but it's at least doable. For things yeah. that are more qualitative of like, you know, let's 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 think about our whole hardware setup here and just make sure it's set up well so that over 2019 and 2020 it takes a little bit less uh, hassle to to maintain, mm-hmm. you know, and then over two years that'll play out in a lot of qualitative ways more than quantitative. Yeah. That's that's legit hard to get one's mind around. You can do as well as you can with it, but it's not doesn't lend itself as much to uh, efficacy. Efficacy is hard to measure. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. It is. Objective target, yeah. All right. Um, so any other systems or habits to to talk about, uh, either for yourself or, or working with your team? Um, yeah, I think anybody that wants to get a lot out of life uh, should consider trying to do two hours of whatever they deem their most important work in okay. their first three hours awake. Interesting. Difficult. Not yeah. easy. Means you can't take two hours to warm up, right? <laughs> um, that means basically wake up, tidy up a little bit, start working. In half an hour, mm-hmm. an hour, take a break to fix breakfast. In half an <laughs> hour, take a shower, take a break, and then work. And, but if you can nail two hours in the first three of the day, mm-hmm. and then I, and then I try to hit two hours again at any point in the day, uh, you'll get a lot done. Most people don't get four focused hours a day. Not like very few people yeah. do that. And, and some of that is also about knowing your own rhythms. Like I'm not very effective in the morning, but just after lunchtime, like I, like I, well, maybe not just after lunchtime, like right around lunchtime, like around 11 a.m., I just start to hit a groove. And that usually, like, I can be really effective between somewhere around 10 30 a.m. to about 2 30 p.m., just in that wow. block right there. But that's, uh, you know, that's part of, of my body's rhythms and how those things flow. And, and I think just the idea of being able to just do two hours of the most important work is, is huge. Um, getting it done in the first three hours after waking up, that one may be a little different based on every, cause everybody's body clock and their rhythms are different True. for that. Yeah. True. I mean, the, the upside to doing it first thing and the downside might be that it doesn't sync up with your, actually my best times are late at night, uh-huh, but yeah. I've forced myself to become an early riser. Um, <laughs> so like, the, the real thing is, is that, you know, if you are up early ish, uh, you know, before you go to work and you're, you know, um, you know, on the normal hours, it's nine o'clock. Once you hit nine o'clock, people start expecting it to be a little bit responsive, right? Oh yeah. So, you know, if you get up and you put in two hours focus before you're expected to be responsive, then if something goes wrong, you still got, you banked those hours and you, you know, you, you know, nobody can take them away from you at that point. Whereas the danger, I suppose, of getting to 10 or 11 a.m., um, is that then if something comes up on fire at nine or 10, then, then it might throw off the day and then you have a hard decision to make. With that said, like um, a late morning peak, I, I haven't heard of this before. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> it's like a, what, what it's like a black swan, right? <laughs> Everybody's either a lark or an owl or whatever the conception is. So, the, I mean, that's cool. And I, I do think that's an excellent point about knowing yourself and knowing the times you're at your best. Yeah. And ideally, yeah. 
you know, taking uh, breaks before you get to a rundown window mm-hmm. or a time that you would get tired. So like studying that and learning that about yourself, you only really have to learn that about yourself once. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. change every few years, but it doesn't change quickly. That's yeah. definitely a good thing. And I, I did notice that uh, at not this most recent job, but the one before it, because the majority of the company was on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. Anything I could get done before noon was gold because it wasn't a 9 a.m. demand on my time. It was a noon demand on my time when it was 9 a.m. on the on the West Coast. Right. You know, and that that actually had me having to shift around and adjust and find those rhythms because if it wasn't done by noon and it wasn't part of the, you know, it, it that and I wanted to get it done that day, it wasn't going to get done once that threshold was crossed because at that point – you know, uh, all the meetings, all the, and I'm putting this in air quotes, the first thing meetings start to happen at noon, my time, but it's first thing for everybody else. So that time period is in high demand. Right. Yeah. Getting, mm-hmm. you know, actually that's another one to think about for people. Sometimes, you know, with all the, there's downsides obviously of being remote, but sometimes being in different time zones with people can lead to some, some very interesting outcomes and some very interesting successes. Certainly if you're on the opposite clock as somebody and you tend to hand stuff off to them and they hand it off to you, that can go pretty well. So I do know there's a, a, a fair amount of companies that will now have work done overnight um, mm-hmm. somewhere in Asia, often in India, um, and then get it back first thing in the morning. I think medicine's going more in that direction gradually. It's obviously highly regulated, but yeah. um, you know, the ability to like, you know, fax or email something over at five, you know, five, six, seven PM. Yeah, we, uh, American time, and then they get it at, when they wake up, is uh, and then send it back at the end of five, six, seven p.m. in India or somewhere else in Asia. Mm-hmm. We um, we had to follow the sun so that we could be doing uh, basically we could do maintenance for any customer in any of our time zones any day because you know okay Australia is offline and the East Coast U.S. can take it or as the as the West Coast America is going offline. And all that's coming in. Europe is just starting to come online. Europe can, the, the European crew can take care of the customer maintenance for things on the East Coast US, right? And so that's sort of a, a, a follow the sun and handoff is, was, is a huge game changer because at that point, suddenly it meant that emergencies could be handled by someone in a time zone that matched working hours for the emergency and the only coverage we needed to, to really worry about was weekends. That's cool. Yeah, no, um, it was, it was as, as we made that shift, it was great for someone who, you know, was used to being on call every, like every four weeks and not, and just having horrible sleep for a week once a month. It was like a game changer. Uh, and I, I, that applied to the whole team. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that probably some, some people, I know a lot of the people that listen to this show probably mm-hmm. manage teams or, um, or owners or, or executives or managers, um, you know, getting one or two people remote that you can hand things off across time zones might be well worth it. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. if your if your business calls for a, a coverage yeah. or responsiveness at all. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so how do you decide what to do first in the morning? And I think you may have already answered that, but I, I'd, I'd like to hear maybe a more formal way rather than me try to piece it together. <laughs> sure thing. So I'm at my most effective and it's sometimes it's luxurious and I don't get it, but I'm at my most effective when I go on long runs of it's the same thing is my mm-hmm. most important thing. So that every day, 
you know, it's very easy. And that's, you know, you talked about don't break the chain, right? Right. If like you're writing jokes every single day and like don't break the chain is write a joke, mm-hmm. right? Or if it's do your writing or if it's, you know, do some type of coding or some, you know, if it's the same thing, it's a lot easier to not miss a beat because you almost start to feel like you haven't brushed your teeth if you haven't done your programming or done your writing or, or, or I, don't know how, I don't know how to write jokes. I don't write jokes, but I guess joke writing, I don't know if you just think about what would be funny. I don't, I don't know. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Actually, I've never, never looked into that. It's an interesting one. <laughs> but if it's one thing for an yeah. extended run and it can switch, um, that's easy because you start to feel like, oh, I haven't written today. Oh, I haven't done whatever today, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I like to have that being extended run on the same thing. And that doesn't mean you can let everything else burn if you have a multiple role kind of life. Mm-hmm. But the more that, like, okay, for this month or for these two weeks, this is the thing. I'm going to make progress every single day on this. Um, I think that does wonders. And I have a, a variety of things I'm responsible for, but I try to have one at a time. That's like the number one thing. Right. So there's that. The other thing that I do that, that might be interesting is I actually theme every single one of my months. So I do a monthly review every month. Mm-hmm. I look at how everything went last month and, you know, I think about what I want to do next month, but and this, this might sound corny. And, and just to be very clear in case people haven't gotten it yet, I'm not into like tiger spirit at all. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like sociotechnical systems, statistics, industrial engineering. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I like concrete. I'm not tiger spirit. Like I'll get your tiger spirit on. No, 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 that's not me. So this, this next thing might sound tiger spirit, but it's really not. Um, I actually name every one of my months and, and I give every month kind of a theme or a mantra. I try to keep it down to just a few words. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I focus on that as kind of a mix of an experiment and a focus to improve an area for every month. And I, I came across this because a lot of actually top athletes and a lot of elite soldiers, you know, in the special forces and, mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that, they'll, they'll have mantras. And sometimes they'll be short term mantras and sometimes it'll be like a life mantra. So I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of effective people doing this. Let me try it. So at one point I had a mantra on mission 24 seven. Right. Okay. And that was during a month that uh, this is back in my nonprofit days when we were going to speak at like, I don't know, 20 universities in a little more than three weeks. And that's a hard schedule right there. Yeah. Yeah. So you're fried after like three days, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, the first three, you're feeling pretty good. And then by like number four, it's like, okay, on the train or on the plane or in the rental car or whatever. Right. You know, I I, I watch Ursula and her, um, her book tours. Yeah. And, and I see how, how it just by the third day, she's like, oh, look, I'm on an airplane again. Oh, look, I'm in a hotel again. Yeah, and it's like travel, which is hard. And then it's yep. like be on. Like, yes. Be on. Be really good. And then travel. <laughs> you know, so not chill out like, and travel. Yeah, and, yeah. and so there's a lot of that. So that month, I said, okay, this is the third the third year that we've done the tour. Um, I said, okay, um, in, in past years, after three or four of these I would just like zone out if we're mm-hmm. on a train, if we're on an airplane, if we're in a rental car, whatever. Now I'm going to be on mission 24 seven. So I'm going to get on the airplane and I'm going to have, have enough work on my computer without internet that I can like do it. I could be mm-hmm. working on my next essay. I could be cleaning something up or whatever. In a rental car, I'm going to answer emails on my phone if I'm not driving or I'm not in the passenger seat chatting with whoever's driving. Right? Right, right. And if I am chatting, then we can talk about how the next event can go better and prep and set up ideally. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. super strict about it, but reasonably strict. And okay, I wasn't on mission 24 seven quite, but I did do, I don't know, five X more work than I would have otherwise, right? When I would have been zoning out. Mm-hmm. So that's the power of kind of having a, a monthly theme or mantra as you can get these things almost for free. You know, I had one month that I was like, huh, what am I, I have two unrelated big problems. Uh, one is I want to really get my physical fitness going again. This is like a year and a half ago. And right. the other one is I should more aware of how I'm spending my time. So I thought about it and I'm like, mm-hmm. these are kind of unrelated things. I don't like to do 
more than one thing at a time. So thinking about it, thinking about it, I'm like, okay, what if I use the word sentry as a metaphor? Like, what's a sentry? Somebody's like physically fit and paying a lot of attention. Okay, so I'm gonna be like a sentry this month. Okay. Right? And and so I did that. So I called it Sentry Month, right? This was like a mm-hmm. February or something. And for that whole month, I like worked out a lot and like paid a lot of attention to what I was doing. So these sorts of things are, you know, pretty good. You can have, you know, expansive months where you're focused on doing new things and you take some risks and do things that are more exploratory. You can have kind of consolidation months. Mm-hmm. I had one month called Trust the Process when a bunch of little things were broken. I had just gotten done with a lot of travel or whatever. And I said, this month, I'm not going to be expansive. I'm not going to do anything fancy. I'm going to like slowly get all of my habits and systems back online to perfect. And I'm not going to like get excited and start something new. I want to just like trust the process that once I get all these together, then things are going to be flying again. So right. and I just did that. And every time that I was like, oh, I want to do this crazy thing. It's like, no, 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 trust the process. Let's just like work back, clear everything up, get it all clean and running again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's been really, really good. I've also put very exploratory experimental projects in there. This actually detailed tracking that I do down to the five minutes was in a month that I decided to track everything. It's <laughs> just one month. I'm going to track everything that I can think of for a month. I'm going to track my spending down to the penny. I'm going to track everything that I eat. I'm going to track my time. I'm going to track this. I'm going to track that. Did all of it, but it's like one month and that was kind of intense. And I only kept a couple of the things that I tracked, right. but it was kind of an interesting, cool month. So that's one way that I select what I'm doing in a given time period mm-hmm. is whatever's I identify the, the, the kind of highest priority thing at the end of each month. And then for the next month, I focus on that. Wow. Now, you mentioned tiger spirit, and I'm putting that in air quotes, too. <laughs> yeah, sure. And this is, like, I think I can infer, but this is not a term I've necessarily heard before. So so can you explain that one a little bit? No, I'm just, I'm just making it up. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm making it up. I'm making it up because I don't want to I don't want to hate on anybody's favorite actual gotcha. metaphysical philosophy of right, the right. world right you know right. but I mean, there's things like the secret think about what you want it'll vibrate to you and it's like well if that's true we shouldn't have firemen they're causing all these fires by thinking about them right you <laughs> right, know? right right you know uh you know we, we shouldn't have hospitals if we didn't have hospitals they're thinking about illness all the time right nobody would get sick if we didn't have them right so uh you know any kind of get your spirit on manifest mm-hmm. you know anything like that I'm, I'm a little bit okay sometimes people need motivation i suppose especially oh, yeah. if they're in but then that's got to turn into some sort of systems, some sort of outcomes, some sort of cause and effect. Right, 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 right. So moving forward with that in mind, uh, what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? I've been given so much great advice and great feedback over my life. I knew this question was coming and I had a hard, I had a hard time with it. I, I think there was a collective series of discussions I had that mm-hmm. I think was, was the tops, which was broadly speaking, it was to start seeking out um, patterns of success as opposed to just doing something new and original and creative every time. So don't try to innovate everywhere. It was to kind of look for patterns of what work, right? So right. for a lot of people out there, you know, if they're, if they're building a business, they will just randomly pick a new marketing thing to do every month or every three months instead of searching for one they could do every month or every quarter or whatever that works every single time. Right. And, you know, for hiring, instead of like finding a great person, it's like building a hiring process. Like, all mm-hmm. right, we're going to use LinkedIn and they're going to land here. There's going to be a very quick unpaid test that's like very fast just to see if they have basic competence. Then we'll do a paid project. They'll answer these questions. They'll do two interviews. So you build out a process around things mm-hmm. as opposed to approaching everything like you have to reinvent it every single time that collectively was some of the best advice that I've gotten. And I got that from a few different people. I could certainly give credit to my business partner, Kaizal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Zach Obrant was very uh, was very influential in that. Taylor Pearson, I had a lot of discussions about that. Uh, Justin Mayers has some excellent um, points on that. We were talking about this around that time period. A lot of people kind of weighed in on that, but that's something that I eventually learned was that most successful people in successful organizations have patterns of how to get things done. They have kind of repeatable processes yeah. instead of coming up with things new repeatedly. And then even if it works great, you don't do it again. Yeah. And, and I, I think it, it boils down to like the phrasing I would have, I would have put it as is don't reinvent the wheel. Exactly. And it's, it's really, it is bad in tech, right? Mm. It is really bad in tech in that, you know, I have a monitoring system. I built uh, it, this monitoring system is great. It does all but one thing. So instead of maybe working with the, people who made it or, you know, maybe it's an open source project and maybe we code and contribute back. No, 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 no. We're just going to scrap it. We're going to write our own thing because it doesn't do exactly what we want. And that's not a repeatable process, right? That's the not invented here problem. You, you constantly have a lot of times in the tech world where they're perfectly good things, but since it isn't exactly 100% what we want, instead of adapting, we just throw it away and we one off something else, right? And that that isn't a pattern of success, right? And yeah. if, if you've already got a tool that is very successful at what it does, then throwing it out and building a whole new thing from scratch is, is a horrible waste. But it's something that comes up repeatedly in tech. Yeah, it, to it totally does. And, you know, I think the people that are often most guilty of this are the people that legitimately can make interesting, better things. Yeah. Right. But they don't apply uh, a bit of critical thinking to be like, okay, you know, if, if you're not building Stripe, you shouldn't be trying to innovate on payment processing, right? That's not your advantage if you're doing something else, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Use Stripe and, you know, just use the kind of the conventions on it. And by just using the normal, boring, vanilla way of doing things in, in, everything, then you can pick the one or two things that are really cool and just innovate repeatedly in those. So I used to try to look to innovate everywhere. I'm like, this is cool. Let me rethink everything from first principles. And like, that's really bad. Like, don't do that. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll drive you, it'll either drive you straight into burnout or you will fail so spectacularly that you're going to have to start over again anyway. Right. Yep. Yeah. And thinking of, uh, of failure, do you want the failure question first or the successful question first? Oh, uh, yeah, as as you like. I mean, so, I, you know, why don't we answer both of them at the same time, okay. actually? All right. You know, for me, like I said, I aim for a 70% success rate on just about everything. Right. Um, in business, that plays out a little bit differently than personally. In business, I set a super conservative low-end target that below that's like an unmitigated disaster, mm -hmm. right? So if you were going to do a marketing campaign that you thought could make 50 sales um, on average, then if it brings in less than 10 or 15, right? And you have to actually yeah. know enough about the space to know it could work. Below 10 or 15 is like a disaster. Like we just totally screwed up somewhere. And oh, then yeah, yeah. like a success might be 50 or might be 70 or mm -hmm. whatever is a stretch target. But um, but I'll, I'll set two tiers on them so I know what like abject failure looks like. So then we like that causes like a diagnosis, mm -hmm. and then we have like our baseline of like if we just do the work, this should happen, and then a success target. Right. Um, but for myself personally, yeah, seventy percent success rate. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to not get too bothered or too hyped, right? Like mm -hmm. um, as 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 interesting as this sounds, if I can 
digress off of your very straightforward question to a bit of a oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. complicated yeah. answer. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I, I think people don't realize that they can either increase or decrease their emotional range in response mm-hmm. to things that happen, right? So sometimes when something goes wrong, a person might get sad. One person might get sad and they only get sad, right? right? And somebody might get angry and they only get angry when things go mm-hmm. wrong, right? And somebody might just like not be bothered and not care. Well, yep. you can actually gradually expand your set of responses to things mm-hmm. or you can contract it and people are like, well, I want to feel my full emotional range. It's like, well, maybe not. If you're like having road rage and honking at the driver or whatever, maybe you want to <laughs> shave off that bit of emotion so you stop engaging <laughs> with it, right? Right, right. So, you know, for me, um, I used to be very sensitive to morale. I used to do much better when things mm-hmm. were going well and much more poorly when things were going badly, right? So right. what I've tried to do since then is I've tried to actually narrow my emotional range where I'm still kind of an optimist and get a little bit hyped, but I try to be less hyped and I try to be less uh, bummed out if things mm-hmm. don't work. So I try to be just like, Hey, that's what I decided. It's meaningful. I'm on it. And like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do a good job. And then we're going to get what results we get. Okay. So, so basically it comes to a balance. You don't really celebrate your successes, right? I, I don't actually. And when I read that question, I'm like, Oh, that sounds bad. Maybe I ought to, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I celebrate, you know, I celebrate with, with anyone on the team, mm-hmm. certainly if if anybody succeeds, that's not me. We have a lot of a uh, lot of praise and a lot of love for them, and we celebrate total organizational success. So we'll highlight, "Cool, here's what's happening for the whole team, and, and here's who made it happen. This is what Nabila did, or this is what Lee did, or this is what Xavier mm-hmm. did." Um, so, so that's cool for myself. It's kind of like I like working. I try to only work on things that are really meaningful. I work seven days a week. I usually only take a few days off per year. Right. Um, I'll take a half day off here and there. And I just get a kick out of what I'm doing, but I try to only work on things that are really meaningful to me. And mm-hmm. I try to get rid of stuff that I think is nonsense as soon as I possibly can. Right. right? Now, sometimes, you know, like whatever, I'll be doing taxes forever because it's part of being a human, right? Like it's just the game, right? You just do it. And I don't, it's not that bad, but yeah. you know, I don't, I don't get a huge kick out of it. <laughs> um, and there's a couple other things like that, you know, like you go to the dentist just because it's like the mature, reasonable thing to do and you want your teeth or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But the vast majority of what I do is stuff that I, I really think kind of matters. Mm-hmm. And once you get to that state, then it's less like, all right, I did this. Let me give myself a, a, a lollipop or whatever. It's like, mm. you know, like, ah, I'm just doing stuff that matters. Cool. It's kind of like a, a, a privilege to be able to do stuff that's, that's really important and really valuable. Anybody that's not in a field that they really like what they're doing or who they're working with. I think there's like any one of three oh, yeah, things. If yeah. you, at least one of three. I think there's three things. If you have any one of the three, your work will be at least tolerable. And if mm-hmm. you have all three, it's great. And it's like what specifically you're doing, right? Like your job specifically, right? So right. if you're, you know, doing DevOps and you love DevOps, maybe it doesn't really super matter where you're doing. It's better if it's a place you love, right? But, you know, if, if you like mm-hmm. your specific work, your day-to-day job, like what you spend minute by minute doing. And then there's like the place you're working and the mission they're on, right? And then there's the people you work with specifically. If you get all three of those, you're good. So, you know, oh, on yeah. the one hand, I don't explicitly celebrate. On the other hand, I got all three of them. So, like, like my whole life's kind of a party. I don't really feel like I'm working very much. In life, <laughs> but in the- so what about on the flip side? I mean, it's, missing a goal or maybe not hitting isn't that big a deal based on the system you've got set up. Yes and no. Um, there's some baseline targets that if we don't hit them, we're in trouble, right? right. So right. right now we're profitable. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a couple of hires that we're looking into that are that are kind of highly paid roles. So if we make those, we'll be we'll be burning a little bit and then we'll mm-hmm. have runway. Right. Right. So at that point it's not like, oh well, can't make payroll, shucks. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, no. okay. 
That's, I've, that's my job. We got to keep the growth happening. We got to do fundraising. We got to do those things. We got to be like, if we take on people at that pay, then we got to like mm-hmm. on it fanatically. Oh, yeah. So, right. So I've, I've been on I, the receiving end of the, we can't make payroll this month. Yeah, no. Oh, I've, I've never been on either end of that, thankfully, <laughs> or, or in the consulting, you know, people sometimes would be like, oh, there's cash is tight. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's your problem. That's not my problem. Pay me. But, um, you know, you, you don't say that, you know, you'd be kind about it. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's things like that, right. There's things like that mm-hmm. that are really important. Um, but for myself, um, you know, for any sort of like, am I meditating regularly? I feel like a lot of times people screw themselves up a little bit cause they get, um, you, you know, it's not the, the, the first wave of a failure or something going wrong that gets you. It's the chain reaction of like, Oh, what's that mean about me? And uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or it's yeah. Like the, first bag of potato chips. Oh, I suck. I missed my goal. Let me just go binge eat now or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so getting rid of that, I think is important. I think really important to be okay with that is to know, actually have reasonable expectations about what's possible. So you don't set your targets too easy mm-hmm. or you don't, um, you know, set them impossible. Right. You know, you see some people that are, that are new to something. They're like, Oh, okay. We just had like a hundred people, you know, request a, a trial of this tech. Like, maybe 90 of them will buy. And it's like, Ooh, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. Ooh. yeah, you're setting yourself up for some disappointment there. So you got to kind of know your numbers and know what's possible mm-hmm. in reality. And then, you know, if you hit nowhere near them, then that just calls for analysis. Like, okay, we clearly did something wrong. Like right. did, were none of those hundred people interested in what we were doing. Is our demo totally terrible? Is like, if somebody goes to buy, is the payment processor working, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of look into it. Um, but then, you know, if you set very conservative low end numbers, you'll, exceed those the vast majority of the time and then if you don't hit the stretch target i mean you should be sometimes and you should like drive for that but then that's just kind of like okay well let's take a look at what we do better next time it's all just kind of cause and effect so like what are we going to do differently yeah yeah and that's that's significantly different than say when i was uh, a sales engineer and anything less than a hundred percent of goal was disciplinary action right do you if you don't make hundred percent of goal three times in a row, you're out period. And that's, that's, it's a very different attitude. Well, I had a, I had a background in enterprise sales for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. the problem is, and, and I say this in the most loving possible way. Is, I mean, <laughs> right. The salespeople are lazy. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that's more of a stick than a carrot feel. I say this as somebody that was in sales that would be lazy sometimes. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. kind of like, uh, uh, you know, having a bit of carrot and stick. And I mean, that's the way that world works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the vast majority of listeners, I don't think that applies to, and I don't think that that's correct. You know, there's, um, there's an interesting conception that we have over here, the difference between the maximum sustainable pace and the maximum possible pace, mm-hmm. the MSP and the MPP. Um, maximum sustainable pace is a pace you can run at forever. The maximum possible pace is above that. And that's an area that you're taking damage. You know, you're keeping yourself going yeah. with energy drinks or whatever, not sleeping enough that you will need recovery from at some point or it'll break down. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, taking somebody that's, that's an engineer, an inventor, a creative above maximum sustainable pace, not to like ship a deliverable or because something really bad happened. That's one off, but as like a regular course of action mm-hmm. is probably a bad idea. Um, Whereas sales falls a bit of a different cadence where, you know, it's possible to ramp up and ramp down. And then when a bunch of things are closing at the same time, you'll naturally kind of ramp up. I don't, yep. I don't know. It's kind oh, of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it kind of depends on what your field you're in. Yeah. In sales, you want to be, you know, or die trying um, mm-hmm. sometimes is the mentality sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a field where 
really persistence and volume is very, very, very important as opposed to kind of finding more elegant solutions, though ideally you'd be doing some of those too. Yeah, but, it's uh, it's all about building the pipeline and maintaining a steady flow versus having to get to the end of the quarter and have to make have to close a whole bunch of things to make your goal. If you've got a good pipeline and you've got a steady flow, then you can guarantee you're going to hit that target pretty regularly. But if you're, uh, all right, let's open the floodgates and, and hurry, 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 and push it all through at the last possible minute, that's a very precarious situation. Yeah, exactly. And I always, I would always tell people like when they're like, oh, we have a bit of a cash crunch, let's make sales. I'm like, no, I, I'm not into that typically. Mm-hmm. I was never into sell your way out of it. Because, you know, that's just, that's just begging uh, for people to go do slightly unethical things or to overpromise or underdeliver or give oh, yeah. some sort of discounts or promises that they shouldn't. It's like a business has to be well capitalized on mm-hmm. the executive level as part of what you do. And you need to like make sure you're conserving cash and spending wisely and scaling the right way and fundraising if you need funding or securing a line of credit if it's just a short term thing that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, so that you can run a sales process at the ideal rate where like you're problem solving for people. Because, you know, if there's people that would go by if you go get on their case right now without you giving some promises or crazy discounts or crazy terms, then, like, you should just, like, institutionally start calling them being like, hey, cool, can we help you now? Can we sign you up, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, that whole, oh, let's just go on a frantic sales push, I, I find that causes more problems than it solves. And you really don't want to be in a position where you have to do that. And then doing that, I think, is, is really bad for organizational health. It's just you want to be pretty well organized. So I guess I'll say this. Um, I'll say this, Kevin, you're like, Oh, you're not getting bothered by failure very much. Well, we also don't fail very much. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, no, that, that, that's, you know, that's actually a, a, a great point. Yeah. Explicitly. Right. You know, yeah. cause like, you know, when a failure happens, like one out of five times, it's like, Oh, hmm, yeah, that's peculiar. Let's look into that. Right. Right. Whereas, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're if you're on a sports team, and people just aren't showing up for practice. And then you're putting in crummy games and you're losing, and you're wanting to have a good season, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's high school or college or on a professional level, yeah, then that might that might call for being a little less stoic about it, right? So right. when things are going pretty well, um, it's very possible to be like, all right, well, well, the one of those that doesn't is an aberration. You know, mm-hmm. we don't need to redo everything that we do or really kind of blow our top over that. Let's just kind of look into that and do some analysis, right? Wow. Um- Okay, so that's that's all of it. That's fun. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Um, all right, what do you want to what do you want to 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 show off, or where can we find more? So yeah, I can I can put um, <laughs> I can put some resources up on ultraworking.com slash pa. Okay, um, if people want for for productivity alchemy, obviously. So I can put up copies of like a light spreadsheet time tracking and things like that. If people want to see how I do it and want to Dude, go check them out themselves. That would be huge. That would be yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, and, but we can also like, uh, uh, obviously ultraworking.com is, is where we can find about the, the product. And I guess it's, it's actually a tool for helping track these things and decide what's important. Yeah. For, for ultraworking, our core offering actually mm-hmm. is, um, I could put I could put something up there about that too. We do something called work cycles, which are a mm-hmm. way to break down and have a hyper focus for multiple hours in work. And then we do rounds of work cycles live over video conferencing. So we're building that out to have a twenty four seven coverage. We just did our first test of twenty four seven. Wow, which is all right, pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. So people logged on, they did a ton of work, and it was mm-hmm. it was great. It really keeps people focused for many many hours in a row. But yeah, I can put up on ultraworking.com slash pa. 
Um, I'll put up uh, lights and I'll put up, I'll put up work cycles and I'll put up uh, some stuff on how I do time tracking and things like that. I think that'll be useful for people. That are oh, that, that would be, that would be huge. That would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, and now is there any place we can find you on like Twitter or a blog or, or something else? Sebast Marsh. I'm, I'm all over the internet at Sebast Marsh, uh, S E B A S T M A R S H. Um, Sebastian Marshall's too long to fit in any of the <laughs> maximum characters on anything. So I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Sebastian Marsh everywhere, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, LinkedIn, Medium, whatever. All the usual places. You got it. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic, Sebastian. I cannot wait to share this with everybody. Um, for, for those of you who are listening at home at this point, uh, I'm recording this the week before Christmas 2018. Uh, I You'll be hearing it sometime after that. Uh, probably, uh, I may even throw this up as like our first show for January and rearrange the schedule a little bit. Because this is, this is some good stuff right here. So, um, thank you so much, Sebastian. You've been absolutely fantastic and generous with your time. Kevin, this is a, this is a real pleasure. And, you know, at the beginning, I think I said it was, I thought it was going to be really real and that was really real. That was yeah, fun. Right. That was great. It's, it's, it's uh, I, I love doing it and I love it when, uh, when the guests enjoy it too. So thank you a lot. And uh, for those of you listening at home, we'll be right back. a phenomenal time talking are we, to Sebastian. Are, are we sure we're recording? Yes, I'm sure we're recording. I'm going to make it bigger so that you can see. Yes, I, I need the immediate feedback, or I assume that I am shouting into the void. And we are sort of shouting into the void, but I like it to be recorded. Yes. That is, some that of is my fair. shouts are very clever. So anyway, I had a fantastic time talking to Sebastian, and I hope you guys take him up on his offer at um, ultraworking.com slash PA. There is a sign-up he, he does want your email address uh, on that, but I think it's really kind of cool, all the stuff that he's added to, to or offered to share with, uh, especially the light spreadsheet. I'm really excited about that one. So let's talk about this week's badge code before we talk about the giveaway and how to support us and stuff like that. As many of you know, we offer open badges which are images with some metadata that talk about how you earned them. And they're used by educational organizations and open source organizations and a whole bunch of people. And it's really cool. And I really like offering them. And so you go to the website, productivityalchemy.com, and you go to basically the bottom of a page on in the desktop version, still working on the mobile, and type in the word, all one word, tiger spirit. And those of you who listened, of course, through the whole interview, you know that that's, that's one, of, uh, one of Sebastian's little phrases. So uh, type in Tiger Spirit and you'll get the badge for episode 77, the last episode of 2018. And so... I would just like the internet to know that I have flipped the dog's ears inside out. Yeah, she's, 
She's silly like that. She'll walk around all day with one ear flipped over. If, if and and it is the job of humans. It is the yes. ancient bargain that, you know, humans will f- will flip your ear back the right way for you. Apparently. Yes. And, but sometimes they flip them inside out so they can go, <laughs> looky down. Yes. Yeah, you're so good. And so, yeah, there's there's that. And if you want to help feed these dogs... Yes, or pay for their expensive meds, which uh, I am pleased to report after two years, Ernie is heartworm free. That is absolutely correct. When yes. we adopted him, uh, when he came from the re- when the rescue picked him up, yes. uh, he had a severe case of heartworm. Mm-hmm. It took two years of the slow kill method, which yep. it, that's that's a pretty hefty case. But he is finally heartworm free, and we yes. are very pleased. And we're not going to stop the meds. Because oh, of course not. No, because they can re-get it. They but. come back, yeah. But so, still, it's great. Now we don't have to worry that he'll, like, you know, be running along and suddenly choke and fall over and die. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that anymore, and it's great. And so to help keep them in treats, because we're... I spoil the dogs. I spoil the chickens. I spoil the dogs. I spoil the you cats. You spoil me. I spoil you. But uh, we are supported by Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ursula V, and that pays for the podcasting and some of the foods for Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap are rated R podcast. Uh, it pays for all the equipment for all the podcasts and all that sort of stuff. You can also buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ksunny, and I now have a monthly support option there, so you can do a one-time donation, you can do a multi month recurring thing it's cool and you get the special i bought kevin a coffee badge code as part of that and i know some of you are going damn it i'm a completionist with the badges and yeah sorry about that guys so that's it for this week uh we will see you in 2019 good god already so yeah, uh, make I, sure. I know it's traditional to say, oh, thank God 2018 is over with. Surely 2019 cannot be that bad, to which I say, don't jinx it, people. There was, there was, there have been a couple cartoons, I think one of them might even have been a Sarah's Scribbles, where, it was, you know, oh, 2018 is going to be so much better than 2017 and that and the other, and the next scene is the character in a box with a blanket and a broken bottle staring <laughs> at 2019. And I think we're all about there. I think we're all about We don't there. want any trouble 2019. <laughs> let's 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 just try to make this work. Nobody needs to That's get right. cut. Nobody, nobody needs to get hurt, but I will cut you. Please don't cut note, us 2019. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh if for those of you who are off work this week, have a good week off. Take your time, do some self-care and recover for those of you who don't. Well, stay productive. And Woo! As soon as this is done, I'm going to stop being productive and play more Dawn of War. I, I believe that counts as sort of like mental. Uh, uh, Self care, something like self care, mental break. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right.